Welcome to my viewfinder. My name is David Young. We have new episodes every Friday. I've decided to start adding projects or challenges at the end of each episode, so don't forget to check that out. Let me know how you're doing in the comment section, or you can find me on Instagram at myviewfinderpodcast, on Twitter at mvfpodcast, or you can just email me at dyoungphoto at gmail.com. All right, let's start again. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> uh, tell, me, tell me again about the best meal you've ever had. Yeah, so it's actually a meal that, you know, has origins in a place that I've traveled to, but um, that I've only really eaten close to home. And it's uh, it's a dish called saltfish and ackee, and it's a Jamaican dish that uh, my mother and grandmother both make. And it used to kind of only be like a kind of festive meal that we had, like on special occasions, but now it seems like they make it like every other week, which is which is pretty great what is it okay so it's like um salted cod uh fish is kind of i suppose one of the main ingredients and you kind of soak it overnight to take some of the salt out because it's so salty and then you boil it to take out more salt um but ackee is actually the um national fruit of jamaica and it's kind of it's quite hard to describe because I don't really know another fruit or vegetable like it, but it's kind of like this. It's a yellow, very tender and soft, almost kind of flaky fruit. And it's uh, it's quite sweet. Yeah. Flaky is interesting. I wasn't expecting flaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a strange texture. It's, it's, it's a bit difficult to describe. Yeah. My Viewfinder is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. With PodPower, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a PodPower shout-out to Book Women. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing Indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians, representing nations from across the homeland, aim to inspire Indigenous people to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include Indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. Can images inspire change? I've been cynical about the impact of photography on our culture, our self-esteem, our understanding of the world around us. But what if images could inspire others to become more involved in a constructive way? Well, Ryan believes that wildlife photography can do this, at least when it's coupled with positive narratives. It's not just conservation, even just inspiring a viewer to take a walk outside and pay attention to the beauty all around us. Just don't grab a couple of dead frogs and pin them together in a stack. Ryan has pretty strong opinions about that as well. Here's the second half of my conversation with Ryan Wilkes about photographing outside, wildlife, and his uh, stoic, responsible approach to life. One of the sort of drivers of this uh, this conversation, this podcast, has been my... Uh, worry. I just spoke with Donna on the previous interview and she said I should stop broodings, but, but I am often cynical about this stuff. Um, but my worry about the, um, the role and relationship images have, uh, so with, 
documentary, war, propaganda, media, it's usually influence on human culture, um, sociological stuff. Um, with nature photography, well, I mean, I obviously, I mean, I, I'm sure you have a, a wider gamut than just taking pictures of birds, but you know, you brought up, for example, a landscape photographer lining this up to get a great photograph. Are you having this experience with uh, some wax-tipped, I can't remember what it was, uh, <laughs> and getting a photograph that you really connected with? Um, what do you think, like, the relationship of image making is for you? Is it about telling other people a story about something that they ought to be looking at? Is it something much more personal? Like, do you think there's a an impact that nature photography has um, it sells well uh, in Calgary but outside of this commercial thing I mean is there a message or a narrative that that motivates you to keep doing this and 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 obviously work more and more uh, if you're researching and planning to go out and, and do this sort of uh, bigger process then I feel like there must be a stronger story than you know just staying with a walk in a park and a point and shoot mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it's I, it's definitely multifaceted. There are, there's, you know, the personal side of it, which is like, I get extreme joy and satisfaction from just being in the wild <laughs> and just experiencing it and, you know, getting a payoff of, of an experience with an animal um, that I probably suffered for. <laughs> um that to me is like the ultimate and uh you know that's even without even touching the shutter like that is a great experience for me being out there having having an experience disconnecting yeah that's that's really what i love to do with taking photos being able to capture that moment for myself or a moment of that experience where that i had in an environment whether it was with some animal or another being or just with a landscape uh i love that aspect of it too being able to preserve that moment and then thirdly being able to share that with other people and tell the story behind the image is also really satisfying for me and i think that's the part that kind of gives the work an extra bit of meaning is like so many people haven't seen certain birds up close or any bird up close and you know, when you're able to kind of sit there and look at a photo of, of a bird and see like the, you know, minute details of different wings or sorry, different feathers and, um, you know, the different colors and their beaks and what their feet look like close up. It just kind of gives you this like sense of awe in a way. Um, and I love showing these images to people just to kind of be like, you know, this is, this is what's out there. And like, yeah, and then I guess taking it to another level is like using the images to to inspire change. Um, and so like conservation photography is something that I've kind of been looking into and looking for more opportunities in, but, you know, for endangered species that, that need more attention brought to them to, you know, help them keep them on our planet. We need powerful images of, of them to, you know, convince people who are, the decision makers that uh, these animals need our help. And I would hope that some of my images could help with causes like that. So yeah, there's a few different things that I kind of think bring meaning to it for me. I like the order in which you uh, listed that. I think 
it's important to me that you went with sort of a personal experiential thing and then photography uh, for yourself and then uh, peer groups to, uh, you know, explain how you got there and what you saw and then this sort of broader question of, uh, again, humanity's role in uh, nature. I think that's such a powerful and important sort of hierarchy. I find often that I'm confused in those steps. As you brought up, when I'm out shooting, as rare as that's become, uh, I can slip into a great mode where I, I just don't remember anything else that's going on and I can be in a moment. But I also hang on to a lot of insecurities about, you know, how people will view, judge the work. I don't think I have this story yet that I either want, intend, or just naturally comes out of the work itself. Um, do you think there was a... Is this something that's always been inherent when you take these photographs, or is this something that's developed as you developed taking... Let's Again, we're focusing a lot on birds, but as you took, I guess, better and better or more involved photographs with birds, does that story evolve is it uh, i don't know it's 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 fascinating to me um I, we are in exposure studio just learning about uh how everybody deals with this research part this narrative building part um and you know in this last iteration you're actually going out and trying to uh find a cause to push towards um mm -hmm. is that something you think that's just the way that you think or is that something that's kind of evolved as you got more feedback with the work that you're sort of doing for yourself like the the part about uh, like looking for a cause, like kind of a, a deeper, a deeper reason. Is that, is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, I think in the yeah. end for sure. Yeah. Like uh, moving that into the conservation and, and trying to be part of that conversation is a big, I mean, that's a big thing. That's not, uh, that's not a step that everybody takes. Yeah. I think, you know, part of the reason uh, is that capturing images, like, I don't know if I've, you know, captured any images yet that would really make an impact on kind of like a national level with, you know, conservation initiatives for species. Because those kinds of images, I feel, take a, a lot of planning and a lot of time to capture. Because what you're kind of looking for is this intersect between beauty, like the raw beauty of the species, and a, a, some kind of behavior that it's exhibiting that people can connect with kind of on a deeper level. And so, you know, for, for example, there were some, some of the images that won awards at the Wildlife Photographer of the Year uh, competition this past year. The one that won the overall prize is this photo of a Siberian tiger in Russia uh, and it's like, it's hugging a tree and it is just, it's just so beautiful. It's like kind of, you know, touches on like this, this, it's this tiger, um, which are, you know, so rare these days, the Siberian tigers, it's, you know, they're very difficult to, to find, uh, let alone photograph, let alone, you know, hugging a tree, like just, you know, the symbolism in that image is just is so strong um and then another one that sticks out was some really beautiful portraits of a monkey where the monkey the monkey looks as if it's kind of meditating um it's got its eye closed its eyes closed and it's just kind of looking up 
it's kind of got its chin tilted upwards kind of towards the sky and it just looks like it's kind of taking in this deep breath of you know fresh morning air and just kind of being like relax um and just beautiful so it's you know to get these images that are really going to like rock someone and stick with someone uh it takes a lot um and that's kind of what i'm starting to work towards like this winter hopefully you know being out in the Rockies for a few days at a time, working on capturing specific subjects, doing specific things. And yeah, of course, you know, finding a way to sustain yourself while you go on these adventures is a, is a whole nother thing. And this is common across all forms of photography uh, when you're working on projects. But um, yeah, that's kind of the next step for me in, in my practice and capturing images that can really make a difference to play the cynic as usual do you think um i mean when i when you're describing these images i i can kind of uh, i suppose picture the pictures um the question i ask myself is this question about uh, the strongly negative words propaganda but i suppose the implied and intentional meeting um maybe not necessarily enough photo manipulation sense do you think uh you know what's the best way to put it i i worry often about both human beings innate ability to create structural meaning out of anything um and also the sort of uh influence our perception of these symbols have on the environment around us so uh for example you know we imply a circular shape to describe a cycle of life. Uh, we, uh, you know, we described uh, a monkey that was taking a photograph, but it's in a human form. It, it seems to be meditating, therefore it can connect to uh, presumably a less educated or a less uh, involved audience to generate some type of emotional uh, response. Um, is that something that um, should be left at a service level or is that something we should be wary of i i don't know i mean with nature it's it's an interesting thing like with with politicized images you know photojournalism social media i think the impact is so much more direct because when we are in front of other human beings uh, presumably doing something um that impact is so immediate but um mm. i don't know and our and our relationships are actually so poisonous between human beings so we can uh, negatively impact yeah. each other very quickly but um, you know, with this idea of conservation, uh, one of the bad jokes I make is uh, questioning whether we should be saving pandas. They can't even have babies on their own anymore. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we did start, I think, off mic, a broad idea of um, conservationism. And uh, I, I don't know if the example of eagles and geese makes sense in this context, but is there a way to, in your mind, that this impact of photography is supposed to be for the good? You know, does that does any of that make sense? I I don't know. I feel like I'm babbling. Yeah, I th I think so. No, that's all right. I think so. So I will say that I think you know at the root of conservation, it's like how do we get more people involved in conservation? Well, to me, it's just it's getting people more more people outside, getting people out birding, for example. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just getting people out in nature observing and appreciating what's around them. And then from there, it, it just grows. 
for the most part. Obviously, it's not for everyone, but I know my personal experience and and many other people's experiences uh, who I've spoken to, it's just this cascade of events from from going outside and you know starting to hike one summer, and then before you know it, like every single weekend, you're you're summiting a mountain, and then you start to want to spend more time out there. And then all of a sudden you're like learning about the different trees that are like on the side of the trail when you're on the mountain and you start learning about the birds and all the other animals that you're seeing. And at the root of it is just getting outside, spending time out there and, and being curious. Um, so I think that when it comes to these images and I, and I totally agree with you with like how some of these animals can be represented is sometimes maybe not truthful. And, and that does happen in this genre for sure. Um, but if the animal is not being manipulated in any way and this beautiful image is somehow getting more people interested in nature, just in general, then I think it's a positive outcome. Where things get a bit squirrely is like when people are manipulating animals for for photography and that is just an absolute no-go for me you know whether it's baiting animals um whether it's uh, literally some people have been using like dead reptiles amphibians and invertebrates and like putting wires in them and putting them into crazy positions and like you may have seen photos on instagram of like three different size frogs like on each other's backs like those are fake like that <laughs> that does not happen um, and people are being called out for it, uh, which is great because they should be, especially, you know, pa- trying to pass it off as real. I mean, if you want to claim that those animals are deceased and like died in a natural way and like you have the permits or whatever you need to be collecting these dead animals and re- removing them from their environment, then like fine. But like you need to say that um, you can't be kind of like creating this fantasy world of wildlife that does not happen at all out there and then claiming that it's real um so i think there's a couple different things there you know maybe after this i'll send you uh an instagram page dedicated to calling out fake wildlife photography <laughs> and you can you, and you can see what i'm talking about okay. it's crazy yeah it, it's interesting kind of um originally in one of the books louis lent me but i just picked up another sort of shorter version of that and in the history of photography, you know, at the beginning um, of the sort of, I suppose, photojournalistic uh, route, which was when they decided to try to bring these uh, old cameras to a war, um, the cameras were too heavy, too slow, and, um, you know, the people were not looking to be on the front line. So they ended up staging a lot of the uh, either uh, pre-post... Uh, battle uh, imagery so often there were even photographs that they shown where people would arrange deceased bodies or or reenact um you know a meeting for a general or a surgeon performing um uh, field uh, field amputations etc mm-hmm. what's fascinating is yeah it's such a weird hindsight thing like was that a bad thing and i i end up in this weird philosophical problem of uh you know intent versus versus uh impact i i see that when you say that any kind of awareness is uh going to help bring a message of being part of nature maybe yeah i i i feel like that's a i don't want to say easier but there's more ability to stay pure 
maybe in nature photography. Not that people don't manipulate everything. Yeah, I mean, Photoshop's Photoshop, but um, you know, whether I see a constructed vision of a mountain or not, still makes me appreciate mountains, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, that is that is something that's interesting to talk about. But yeah, I think in conservation, nature, wildlife photography, if something has been captured, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? If something has been captured, like without manipulation, uh, you know, without external manipulation of, of the animal or the environment, and that image is, you know, getting people interested in nature, you know, sparking a bit of curiosity in, in a few people. And I understand that it, and oftentimes it's probably a lot more complicated than just that. But uh, then, then like, for the most part, I think, I think it's a good thing. So if uh, we kind of do a flip here, I mean, yeah, what happens next? Uh, so we're planning on doing more, but we did talk again off mic uh, about, you know, listening to all these exposure speakers and, and all of our fr uh, new friends that we're making through the studio program. You know, you brought up the interest of potentially talking about human portraiture. Do you think, is there a way to sum up quickly, you know, what you think will be the biggest uh, the biggest difference between humans and animals, I suppose? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, well, I think that, oh, geez. Yeah, this is a great question that I have not obviously put much thought into yet. <laughs> but, you know, animals, it's, it's with animals, it's almost like, you know, you get what you see or you see what you get like they're not going to like put on a show to like hide something from you like their instinct and their nature is going to come out if you're if you're kind of there and you've done your research with humans it's a different game um you know trying to get to the core of someone and capture what you you know you are there to capture uh, I think it's a completely different process. And so, yeah, that's going to be a new challenge for sure. Just imagining you in like a tactical camouflage at a park waiting for a human being to <laughs> do something natural <laughs> for the yeah. conservation yeah. of our species. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you could tell the world one thing, uh, what would it be? Go outside and stare at a bird. <laughs> <laughs> directly in the eyes or because that, that would scare the sh <laughs> uh it depends what kind of bird so there's a few there's a few birds out there you probably don't want to intimidate but um yeah for me it would just be like fuck, spend some time outside leave your friggin phone in the car like throw it in a fucking river just don't bring it with you and um appreciate what's around you touch some touch some trees you know like walk around barefoot in some dirt um yeah look watch the ants for a little while see what they're up to you know just just appreciate what's around you and just for anyone listening your iphone is waterproof so it will not damage the phone when you store it in the river <laughs> 
Which bird is it that can uh, be a meta tool user? Is it a crow or a raven? I saw that videos. Yeah, uh, yeah, some crows. Some crows are very smart, and also Kia, the the parrot that I was talking about earlier. They're uh, they're also known for their tool usage. It's crazy to think. It's like um, when you read about octopus and how they say the only saving grace they only live whatever it is five years. Otherwise, they'd probably outsmart us all. Particularly birds. You haven't convinced me. I I, uh, I think birds are majestic at a distance, but they're so weird, man. They are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go hang out at Inglewood one day next summer and I'll convince you. Yeah, if we're allowed. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, true. If we're, if we're allowed, you can take me to the sanctuary or something. And uh, my birder friend said so there's some app that will listen to bird call. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll, uh, oh, yeah. I won't say no. I won't think emotionally, but uh, yeah, we, we could go look at a bird. I can, I can uh, see a bird and see see if I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, man. Well, thanks for spending so much time with me. I really appreciate it, man. No, oh, thank you so much. This has been great. Long overdue, so I'm glad we uh, glad we did it. Yeah, when you're back from uh, hanging out with eagles, I think eagles have, have always been my favorite. Uh, then uh, hopefully, I, I've said this with everybody, but hopefully we'll get an opportunity to either have a socially distant coffee or, or just get a bunch of people together to, uh, I don't know, come up with something. Just do something. Do something. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we need to. All right. So last week we talked about getting out birding. This week I thought we could simply just look around the internet for these types of images. If you want a great place to start, it's Ryan's own webpage, Ryan Wilkes, that's R-Y-A-N-W-I-L-K-E-S dot com. Or you can check out his Instagram, at Story. that's E-X-P-L-O-R-A-S-T-O-R-Y. But I'd say branch out from there. While I don't want to brainwash any of us into becoming, I don't know, Greenpeace conservationists, I think, A, there's a reason why Natural Geographic has become a cultural touchstone. And B, I want to test out Ryan's belief that images can inspire us to be more present and appreciative of the natural world we live in. We spend a lot of time inside technology. Let's see if technology can help us get back out into the real world. Imagine the irony. Huh, do you have an opinion that might surprise people or otherwise be unpopular? I do have one of these opinions, and I think everyone is well aware of it, but it's just a very uh, bitter thing to swallow, and that is that none of us are responsible for how anyone feels. Like we, or, and I, I guess a better way to put it is, you are responsible for your emotions, um, and uh, anything that's external, that you know is being directed towards you you have a choice on deciding on how you're going to react to that and uh i think that deep down everyone knows that but um coming to terms with it is uh quite difficult yeah that's pretty sage i i mean just to press that's something that uh has taken me i'm 42 now so uh 42 years to uh try to learn but um do you think that's something that you've learned through experience or is that something that's maybe uh, come from a familial uh, wisdom? Uh, Cause that's, I mean, that's a big one. It's one of the things that I've been joking about with Twitter and 
things where people can say whatever the fuck they want, but they just don't want to take the responsibility of whatever they're doing. Um, and they want to be absolved of even feeling good or feeling bad from everything. It's getting very, very weird. But, um, you know, do you think that that comes from the life you've led? Is something you've always believed? Or is there a moment that convinced you that uh, you had to take control of your own emotional well-being? Mm. I think, um, you know, when I was quite lo- quite young, I started learning about Stoic philosophy. And it just really made sense to me as like a really great kind of uh, set of beliefs or philosophy to kind of live your life by or at least draw some inspiration from and and how to to lead a pretty cool life and so that's something that I've followed for quite some time so you know listening to Tim Ferriss talk about Marcus Aurelius or reading Ryan Holiday's books um, are great places to start with that but you know, just, it really is just all about taking ownership over your life and your emotions. Um, and it's not about numbing yourself, which I think people often get, you know, you say stoic and people think, oh, emotionless. It's like, actually, it's more about like accepting that external stimulus and taking that extra three seconds to be like, okay, what do I do with this? Rather than just reacting with the gut reaction. Because as human beings, like that's part of our nature to have gut reactions. But um, I think that uh, life can be a lot more enjoyable, at least it has been for me, when I've kind of learned to internalize a little bit of that and, and just have a moment of clarity to decide. Um, how that reaction is going to come out. I, uh, I'm always fascinated how reading meditations, it's like you could you could tweet that and people would be shocked because it's so relevant. It's something that was written in like, oh. <laughs> you know, know, 2,000 right? years it's ago. <laughs> this episode of My Viewfinder is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Empathy, kindness, generosity, We are united in our desire to give, to inspire hope, and transform the lives of people who are struggling in turbulent times. And the Calgary Foundation is here to help. From mental health programs to environmental causes, the Community Knowledge Center website features profiles of charitable organizations, all searchable by area of interest. Be inspired by compelling stories. Be informed of innovative work. Be responsive to the needs. To connect to hundreds of outstanding charitable organizations serving our community, visit ckc.calgaryfoundation.org. To learn more about the Calgary Foundation, visit calgaryfoundation.org.